is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Levin, our number, 877-381-3811, Man, oh, Manischewitz, do we have a lot to do? There's Joe Biden walking to the helicopter. And you know what, Mr. Producer? It looked like he was sort of walking in the wrong direction there for a while. Sort of shuffling along, looking at his feet. Look at this. I've got two feet. Yes, yes, you do, Mr. President. The, uh, turns out, in uh, Surfside, the condominium collapse is now a recovery mission, which I think we all knew it would be. And I think by the time it's over, that more than 150 million people would have lost their lives. And you have to assume that one of three horrific things happened. They were crushed as the floor dropped on floor on floor, pancaked with cement and steel. Whether we're burning fires under uh, deep under the building for some time, so smoke inhalation or injuries. But really, uh, other than that one young person, as I believe was the case, nobody survived. So that was a horrific event, which, by the way, had nothing to do with climate change. These people are just pathetic. It's thundering, it's lightning here near the bunker because there's something going on in the country. Something above is telling us to get our acts together here. I believe this. I'm going to comment on something. Probably doesn't belong near the top of the show. It's been going on a while. I've kept my mouth shut. People keep asking me about it, so I'm going to comment on it. And some of you will like what I say, some of you will not. This track star, Shakari Richardson, I've never seen anything like her. I watched that race a week or two ago. I watched how after she ran, she had great class. She ran up, to the, stair, uh, up the stairs in the stadium to embrace her mother, her 
her mother who adopted her, not her biological mother. And it turns out that same day or the day before, her biological mother passed away. She is a tremendous athlete, a tremendous asset to the U.S. Olympic team. She's not protesting. She's not turning her back on her country, on a flag, on the national anthem. She's exceptional. Now, she smoked marijuana. I've been looking and looking. We don't know how much marijuana. We're not even clear exactly when. Perhaps before she ran. I'm not sure. Now, I have never smoked marijuana. I have never done drugs. I've never wanted to. But I do recall people making fun of people who use marijuana because it, what does it do? It, it, uh, it slows people's brains, their thinking down. You know, hey dude, remember those jokes? Remember those comedians? It's not like taking steroids in baseball where you're really muscling up like too many athletes do and have. It's marijuana, which is being decriminalized, even legalized in so many places. Now, I'm not going to get into a big marijuana debate here. It's just not on the top of my list, okay? There's so many more important things to me. But I look at this in terms of fairness. We have people who rioted, who looted, who committed acts of arson who brutalize their fellow human beings. Our legal system has failed us. We have left-wing kook judges. We have Soros prosecutors in the front door, out the back door. The Democrat Party and the media celebrating. We celebrate organizations like Black Lives Matter, which is an anti-Semitic, anti-American, anti-white Marxist organization. We celebrate, honor, legalize all kinds of crap that goes on in this country. I mean, it's one strike and you're out for this young lady? One strike and you're out? Well, Mark, the rules are the rules. I understand. She was kept off that 400-meter relay. That was two days outside the 30-day suspension. Why did they do that? That was unnecessary, in my opinion. Absolutely unnecessary, in my opinion. Now, she didn't lie. She didn't say that she didn't take the drug in one form or another. She didn't make any dishonest statements, like so many people do when they're caught. She was straightforward and forthcoming. Doesn't that deserve some kind of acknowledgement? So everybody's wringing their hands and they're saying, it's so sad, but these are the rules. It's so sad, but these are the rules. We have assaults and murder and mayhem and riot. We have politicians in this country that don't follow the law. They open the borders. They let aliens come into this country, whether they're with MS-13 or sexual predators or whatever they are. They violate our immigration laws. They refuse to deport even criminals. 
And these politicians are, wow, he's great, he's compassionate, he's humane. And this young lady, what is she, 21 years old? Everybody knows she was going to get a gold medal in the Olympics, everybody. At least one, maybe two. She's taken responsibility for her actions. It's a 30-day suspension that happens to overlap with the Tokyo Olympics. This isn't a race thing, like the race nut jobs out there keep, keep pushing. Not at all. This isn't a federal law. Not at all. She's not putting down her country in any respect. Quite the opposite. She's not lying about anything. Quite the opposite. Extremely forthcoming. I feel sorry for her. I feel sorry for her. I really do. And that may surprise you, and that's the way the cookie crumbles. And uh, she's going to be watching the Olympics from the sideline, the fastest runner, female runner on earth. Because she smoked marijuana, or ate marijuana, whatever you do with marijuana. And nobody has argued that that improves your ability to run. Has anyone argued that, Mr. Medusa? Because I believe it's quite the opposite. That's my understanding. So they took care of a test like they do with the other competitors. Uh, after the run, and she failed the marijuana use. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. We're going to have two big announcements in the first hour tomorrow related to the book and you. I'm glad when you always join us, but I hope you'll listen up uh, first hour tomorrow. Uh, and I want to thank all the TV shows and TV hosts and all the radio shows and radio hosts who uh, we're going to be talking to all over the country. Uh, Jeremy Barr, remember that? The pimple-faced, pervert-looking guy? Not saying he is. I said what he looks like. I'm sure he'll be doing a follow-up story on all my colleagues at Fox and in talk radio, with whom I am buddies, and 
just a ton of friends, a ton of wonderful people. Right, Jeremy? Jeremy! Jeremy, you still out there? Jeremy, you still listening? Come on, Jeremy, you in the basement there in your uh, boxer shorts and... uh, Jeremy? I can hear his mother now. Jeremy! Come up here, set the table, what's wrong with you? How many times do I have to tell you, Jeremy, to get up here and set the table? But Ma, don't call me Ma. Get up here. And by the way, it's late into the evening. You haven't showered yet, Jeremy. What the hell is wrong? But I'm working on a story, Ma. No, Jeremy. Jeremy, do what you're told. Jeremy Barr, everybody, at the Washington Compost. Very, very busy writing about the media. But he doesn't really write about the media. If he were writing about the media, he'd write about his own employer, the Washington Compost, or maybe the so-called competition, the New York Slimes. Or maybe how bastardized CNN has become, the Constipated News Network, or MSLSD over there. He's got so much to cover. The former Hollywood reporter. But nothing from Jeremy Barr. Nobody's ever heard of Jeremy Barr. I'm making the fool famous. They always say, Mr. Producer, don't reach down. You ever hear that phrase? I reach down, I reach up, I reach sideways. Like Joe Biden, bottom up, inside out, middle fat, out left, out right, up, it doesn't matter. I almost never pick a fight, but I do reply. I think that's why I like Trump so much, by the way. I think that's why I like Trump so much. All right, let's say let's. And, and speaking of Donald Trump, boy, was he on a great tear today. He is suing the big, the big oligarchs. You got to give this man credit. I give him all the credit in the world. I love him. He just, he just keeps fighting. Let's listen to some of this. Cut seven. Go. Today in conjunction with the America First Policy Institute, I'm filing as the lead class representative a major class action lawsuit against the big tech giants, including Facebook, Google, and Twitter, as well as their CEOs, Mark Zuckerberg, Sundar Buche, and Jack Dorsey. Three real nice guys. We're asking the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida to order an immediate halt to social media companies' illegal, shameful censorship of the American people, and that's exactly what they are doing. We're demanding an end to the shadow banning, a stop to the silencing, and a stop to the blacklisting, banishing, and canceling that you know so well. Our case will prove this censorship is unlawful, it's unconstitutional, and it's completely un-American. We all know that. We all know that very, very well. Cut eight. Our filing also seeks injunctive relief to allow prompt restitution and really restoration and you can name about 20 other things and it has to be prompt because it's destroying our country. Of my accounts, in addition, we are asking the court to impose punitive damages on these social media giants. 
We're going to hold big tech very accountable. This is the first of numerous other lawsuits, I assume, that would follow. But this is the lead, and I think it's going to be a very, very important game changer for our country. It will be a pivotal battle in the defense of the First Amendment. And in the end, I am confident that we will achieve a historic victory for American freedom and at the same time, freedom of speech. Do we have time for cut nine? Let's go. From the very beginning of our nation, freedom of speech has always been understood as a bedrock of our liberty, liberty and our strength. In America, we recognize that the freedom to speak our minds and express the truth that is our heart. Really, that's really a big chunk of our heart. It is our heart. It is not granted to us by government. It's given to us by God. And no one should have the power to take that right away. The Founding Fathers inscribed this right in the very first amendment to our Constitution because they knew that free speech is essential to the prevention and look to the prevention of horror and to the preservation of our republic. But remember the words, the prevention of horror, because we're very close to seeing that now in our country. We've never been in a position like this, and it's all happened very quickly. In the words of the father of our country, although some would like to take that title away from him, George Washington, he will not be canceled. Mm-hmm. Cut ten, go. How do you fight the argument that these are private companies? They can be as liberal as they want to be. Well, they say that they're private, but they're no longer private. If they gave up their Section 230 liability protection, I would go along with them. I'd say they're private. We'll open up other privates, and other privates will be opened up. I mean, I know that for a fact because I'm involved in that. But I will say that they are, they have Section 230. It's a liability protection, the likes of which nobody in the history of our country has ever received, just a small group. And we're not going to stand for it. And that makes them, in my opinion, very subject to the kind of penalties that we're talking about. Well said, Mr. President. Well said. Thank you. We'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Well, it's abundantly clear to anybody with two brain cells to rub together that would exclude Joe Biden and company that the National Education Association and the American Federation of Teachers have devolved into diabolical, anti-children, anti-American, pro-Democrat party 
largely Marxist operations. And you and I are paying for all of it. They call it public education. And for years and years we were told that people are underpaid. And yet they have the best medical plans on the face of the earth, which include eyeglasses and so forth. The best pension plans on the face of the earth. And the best various step increases and other increases when it comes to salaries. Now I don't mind true American teachers who teach you know, straight English and math and so forth, getting their due. But I do mind paying propagandists who are dumb as a doorknob to teach our children radical, Marxist, racist, anti-American propaganda. Because so many of them are actually incapable of teaching English and science and mathematics and so forth. These unions have dumbed down American education. They are now destroying and brainwashing our children. They are undermining the country while you and I are paying confiscatory property taxes to fund the whole damn thing. School buildings, school administrators, teachers, everything that goes along with it. And if you dare to rally and go to these school board meetings, they act like, what are you doing here? And the reason is they've had this cabal inside a cocoon going on for decades. For decades. We haven't known what they've done. Now, how do I know what they're doing? Because I was on a school board for three and a half years as a very young man. And I saw it from the inside. It's utterly corrupt. The school boards basically work for the teachers' union, either because they agree with them ideologically or they're afraid of a strike or a walkout. And that is the problem with public sector teacher unions. And so we had a caller, and actually the American Thinker magazine, or website, where this issue was originally brought up almost a month ago on June 15th. And it's so important, and it's so solid, the recommendation that my colleagues on Fox, and I want to congratulate them, have mentioned it, because they're good listeners. They're good listeners. I want you to listen to this. Oh my, I don't know that we can play the whole thing here. Let's play the three-minute cut of what took place on radio. If you want to hear the whole thing, go back to Daily Recap on Mark Levin's show website. But let's just listen to about three, three and a half minutes of this. This is from June 15th. Cut one, go. saw something interesting. In the American Thinker website, Tom Lifson's site. And he writes, thanks to Don Serber, who's a great guy, I learned of a proposal from the Nevada Family Alliance to require teachers at government schools to wear body cameras. Did you hear this, Mr. Producer? If this does not strike you immediately as absolutely necessary, take a look at this recording. And they give examples of a number of teachers who are saying things in classrooms that they know they can get away with because they're not being recorded. I actually think this is a brilliant idea, but I would amend it slightly. Why have body cameras? Every classroom should have a camera. Now, you know, this is the kind of -of out-of-the-box thinking that is very, very important. This is the kind of going-on-offense tactic that really is 
a game changer. Parents have every right to know what their children are being taught. It shouldn't be guesswork. Taxpayers have every right to know what's going on in the classrooms that they're paying for. We taxpayers, parents or otherwise, are paying for everything related to the government schools. They're government schools, public schools. Now, in many cases, we have cameras in the classroom, excuse me, cameras in the courtroom, not all, but many, to see what's taking place in the courtroom. Courtrooms are supposed to be public. We don't have secret trials in this country. Well, why do we have secret classrooms in this country? Why do we have secret classrooms in this country? So I would recommend to the parents' organizations in Loudoun County and other counties in this country, you should take up this cause. You want to know. We want to know. We, the people, what's being taught in these classrooms. We shouldn't have to guess. We shouldn't have to de- be debriefed by our, by our six and seven and eight-year-olds. Moreover, the administrators and the teachers shouldn't be worried about it. In fact, I would argue, much like with body cameras for cops, as people often argued, it'll help protect the teachers from allegations, all kinds of allegations, about ideological teachings, about rudeness in class, about certain kids that are misbehaving and had to be removed and so forth. This is a fantastic idea. Again, I wouldn't have body cameras, but I would have a camera in the classroom so that parents and taxpayers know what's going on in these classrooms. Now, I know some of you are patriotic teachers out there, and you're saying, well, gee, a camera, you have nothing to worry about. If you play it straight and you teach math like math and science like science and history and, and so forth like history, you've got nothing to worry about. But if you're pushing racism, if you're pushing ideology, if you're pushing politics, then you do have everything to worry about. This should be a cause. I didn't think of it. I just read it here in the American Thinker, and I'm just amending the suggestion. I I happen to think the Nevada Family Alliance is right on. Absolutely right on. Now, you see how this works? I'm live now. I cite the source. I thank the source. It's a brilliant idea. I modified the idea from my perspective. And this is what we're going to do the next several weeks and months ahead as American Marxism becomes available. By the way, six days. Really five and a half. But six days officially away. That's it. Six days. I'll be doing my first major interview with Sean Hannity for his Friday show before the release of the book. I'll be talking to our buddies at Fox and Friends Sunday before the release of the book. And I'll be doing Fox and Friends on the morning of the release of the book. And we have other friends. Jesse Waters. Maria Bartolomo. Others who have contacted us and we're very interested in doing it. Our friends at the Media Research Center. Our friends at Breitbart. Many others our radio colleagues and affiliates and friends, wonderful hosts all over the country. So you can see how we're going to build this, how we're going to make the case. Anybody who ever says again that critical race theory doesn't have a Marxist founding will be proven to be a liar. Anybody who says ever again, like the president of the AFT, Randy Weingarten, that all their teaching is about American history and slavery and so forth, will be proven a liar. 
Anybody who says we're not teaching critical race theory in our elementary schools will be proven a liar. And we are not going to tolerate these people creating the narrative, lying, and so forth. We create the narrative. We show the facts and the truth. And that's the point of the book, American Marxism. And it's written for each and every one of you. You can read the book, turn to the back of the book, make the case. Now, you're not going to need to make it to the out-and-out Marxists, because they don't matter. But to your children and grandchildren, certain family members and friends and colleagues and neighbors, it's worth the effort. And if these school boards and these unions think they're going to shut us up, they have, they don't know Levinites. They don't know patriots. They don't know red-blooded Americans. These people work for us. We're not their indentured servants who just cough up money every year. Although we've become that. Stay out of the class. You get one minute to talk. Who do you think you are? Getting arrested because you won't leave the the premises. Oh, you're trespassing. They work for us too. We're not belligerent. We're not violent. We're not stealing anything. We're not burning anything down. We're not beating up people. Those people on the hard radical Marxist left, they don't have anything to fear, do they? That we, law-abiding citizens, one minute to speak or you're going to be arrested on trespass. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, this Randy Weingarten and the AFT and the knucklehead who runs the NEA, they've opened the door wide now. People who weren't paying attention to these unions are now. With the virus, with the propaganda, with the brainwashing, with the lousy results in science and math and English... They have awakened the silent majority. And not just them. And we're going to talk about the others too. Because there are other threats. Both in the classroom and elsewhere. They have awakened a sleeping tiger. As one enemy put it once. Yamamoto. Mark's comparing this to a war. Not a violent war. Not a war of weapons, but a war it is. And they declared it. And they are instituting it. And we are the innocent victims, but not anymore. We're going to galvanize, we're going to rally. So who's negotiating these teacher contracts? What's in these teacher contracts? Why is this in the teacher contract? Why is that in the teacher contract? We want some input in these teacher contracts. After all, we're paying for the damn thing. How do they hire teachers? Who's involved in that process? How do teachers get tenure? Why do they get it after one or two years? Where does that come from? It's in the contract. We'll get it out of the contract. Well, we're not going to do it. The teachers will walk off. 
They've already walked off. We had a full year of the teachers walking off during the pandemic for the most part. We can handle this. They're not for the kids. We just saw this. This union's for themselves. And we pay for every damn part of it. Every part of it. Your property taxes. You're paying a mortgage. You see the amount of money you're paying on property taxes? 80 cents out of every dollar goes to the union members. The employees. 80 cents out of every dollar. Pretty much. Across the country. But you can't speak more than a minute. No! You have no say what goes on in the classroom. You're not even allowed to see what goes on in the classroom. This Soviet-style so-called public education that eliminates the public from knowing what the hell's going on must stop and will stop. And will stop. We don't need to beg school boards to do what's right. Begging is... Those days are over. And it's not just critical race theory. Why are they teaching our kids the most extreme forms of sex and gender identity? It's not about equity or equality. These things that go on in the culture overall among adults should not be dragged into elementary school or even high school. That's not what we pay these schools for. Nor should we. Nor do we pay these schools to attack our constitution, our founding fathers, to destroy our economic system, all this Marxist bullcrap, dressed up as something serious. We're going to teach American history, by golly. You're not teaching American history. You're teaching Americans to hate their history. And I don't need some union thug boss like Randy Weingarten who has an IQ of about negative 43, who's fat and happy in her chair, day in and day out, telling me crap. And that goes for the same of the head of the National Education Association. Who the hell elected her? Did you? No, we didn't. I'll be right back. Lovin'. You know, I don't need uh, political hacks, hosts, uh, people who run websites like Axios, telling us about critical race theory, whether it exists, it's being taught in our schools. We're going to have to get a different, you know, sort of mindset here, ladies and gentlemen. We cannot allow the people who promote this stuff and promote all these different types of, uh, of radical movements to define for us what we're hearing, what we're seeing, what we know to be true. They are irrelevant. They are, they are noise. They are dishonest. They are corrupt. And I have a whole section in the back of the book on them and big tech. There's things you can do in your own lives, the smallest of things that can make a difference. I wouldn't be subsidizing AT&T anymore if I were you. Oh, yes. And again, in the back of the book, we have a whole section. What do we do about these corporations? 
What do we do about big tech? What do we do about big media? What do we do about colleges and universities? What do we do about public slash government schools? I have a lot of ideas, but you know what? You probably have a lot of ideas too. And that's one of the things we're going to do here. It's called being interactive. We're going to have a blast, and hopefully we're going to see some things move, change. I'll be right back. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-381. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, I got a letter by regular mail the other day that really shook me up, to be honest with you. In fact, it shook up the whole family. I wasn't expecting this letter. In fact, it was a threatening letter. And I was totally blindsided by this. And it was a letter from authorities in the community in which I live. And you're not going to believe this, Mr. Producer. The letter said I was violating the community's rule with respect to exterior aspects of the home. I said, what could this be? I just put a brand new roof on, which is, as I speak, leaking, as a matter of fact. House is in good order. It's landscaped beautifully. What could it be? What is the problem? They said my mailbox is dirty. I got an official letter from the Homeowners Association. And the Gestapo committee. That my mailbox is dirty. I'm not sure how to respond to this. I don't want to hire a lawyer. I got to thinking my neighbor who's a wonderful guy. You know they're. Doing a whole rehab on their home. Trucks have been there. They have those. Those big things, you know, where you dump all the stuff into them and so forth. They've had three or four come and go. It's a lot of dust and dirt flying around. I said, I'm in violation. And not only that, they provided the section of the homeowner's bylaws that I'm violating. Now, this is my first offense, mind you. My first offense... So my wife and I, we put our heads together. What should we do? Should we wipe the dirt off the mailbox? Should we repaint the mailbox? It is white, by the way. It's, it's a white dominant mailbox system in this community. 
Should we spritz a little, you know, Windex on it? Wipe it? What should we do? And then I got to thinking. I took a good look at the mailbox. I mean, after all, the Gestapo wrote me a letter. And I took a good look at the mailbox, and I said, you know what? They really had to examine this mailbox. You know why, America? Because the mailbox is... The part of the mailbox that is facing the street is as clean as can be. The part of the mailbox that's facing our house has dirt on it. So the HOA Gestapo obviously took a very, very close look at this mailbox, so much so that they must have been circulating, circulating it. They must have really... You know, maybe they brought binoculars? I don't know. They took a very good look at it. Brought some kind of device to really examine it. Now, maybe you've heard the first out of this program. There's been a torrential rainfall in the background. I mentioned we have a brand new roof that's leaking. And maybe it washed the dirt off, I'm thinking to myself. Maybe it washed the dirt off. But then I'm wondering, I'll have to check with my wife, will that be good enough for the HOA Gestapo? I don't know. Now to show you what geniuses they have at the HOA Gestapo, River Creek, I'll show, to show you what kind of geniuses they are. One of them apparently, from a distance, looked at our roof. It's about 18 years old, 20, something like that. <clears throat> and said, it's discoloring. You need to wash the roof. Wash the roof. Yes. With a high-powered, you know, hose and soap. Every roofer I said, if you do that, you will take the granular material off the roof. You'll destroy the roof. Now, this is the Gestapo telling me that I should do this. So that was a bad idea. So we needed a new roof. We put a new roof on, which, did I mention, is leaking. As I speak. So the mailbox issue is this. Do I resist? Or do we wipe it off? Do I resist or do we wipe it off? Now we've got cities burning. We've got people being mugged. We have police being attacked. We have... Peaceful parents being arrested because they're apparently trespassing on property that we paid for. We've got an open border with illegal aliens pouring over, MS-13, sex offenders. We're housing illegal alien children in these horrific tents where they're getting sick and ill and so forth. But my community's worried about my mailbox. My mailbox. So at some point, we need to get the hell out of here. And the mailbox is why. I have, for the right of living in this community, I pay an HOA fee. I pay tens of thousands of dollars a year in property taxes. I get nothing from these people. Zero. Zero. As a matter of fact, last week, some jackass... Because I'm on a golf course and I don't play golf and I'm not part of the golf club. 
hit the ball into one of my windows, first time in 18 or 20 years, and took off like a sprinter without using marijuana. Took off the little bastard. It's the middle of the day. He's obviously receiving one of these government welfare checks, a relatively young person, I have no doubt. And to hit my house with a golf ball, you have to be a complete... I can't say what you have to be. You're not allowed to use the word anymore. So I shan't. Now that guy's supposed to leave his name and number, pay for the win. He's not. Got a new roof, it's leaking. Now the mailbox is dirty. Hopefully it's washed off. And I'm paying tens of thousands of dollars just to be abused. Paying some no-name salaries. No idea what's going on around here. No idea. I don't bother anybody. I don't want to be bothered by anybody. My wife figured out the other day, she said, You like to be alone a lot, don't you? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do. Even though I want family around, she notices I like to be alone. That's fine. But I also like my privacy. So if some jackass from the Homeowners Association is checking out my mailbox, that's like crossing a red line to me. Because if you're going to do that, you're going to do anything. And they have a right to come onto your property to check stuff out. Now, I don't know who this a-hole is. No idea. But I got a formal letter, very formal letter, citing the section how we're to keep the exterior of our home and that the mailbox is dirty, for God's sakes. Clean your damn mailbox. And by the way, it's not that dirty. And you can't even see it from the road. But it didn't matter. I'm just following orders. Orders. That's all orders. This is why I got to move to Florida. I'm I'm being honest. Got to move to Florida. I love the birds in Florida. I love the birds in Florida. They crap all over the place. They crap on your, your, your... Your deck, sometimes on your head. Nobody cares. It's the birds. All right, big deal. Nobody's looking at my mailbox. Nobody's walking on my property. We don't even have an HOA. Hey, look at that, Frank. I think they should use the power wash on the roof. Yeah, I think so, Sally. Let's do it. Don't even know what they're talking about. No idea. And so, you're abused, you pay all these HOA fees, you're abused, you pay these massive property taxes to these a-hole union thugs, you're abused, you're paying a fortune, if you're in my tax bracket, to subsidize people who hate your guts. Who needs that? I don't. Virginia isn't for lovers, more and more it's for losers. I'll be right back. All right, one of the 
big announcements tomorrow. Should I give them a hint, Mr. Producer? I think I should. One of the big announcements tomorrow involves the state of California. Maybe that was too big of a hint. Don't call me and say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to answer you. So I, I know what it is. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but I'm not going to comment. Some of these calls are actually quite intriguing. I have so much more I want to cover, but nonetheless, let's do a little back and forth. Daryl, Homestead, Florida, on the Mark Levin app. Daryl, go right ahead, sir. Hello, Mr. Levin. What an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Well, I, first uh, of all, let me say thank you. And how is your brother, Daryl, doing? Uh, I don't know who you, what you mean. Do you remember the Bob Newhart show? This is Daryl and my other brother, Daryl. Uh, ah, it's a joke. Go ahead. I don't remember. All right. I don't remember. Um, yeah, I actually, I actually get a lot of flack from my family for listening to your show. I'll, I'll bring your na- name up. How I'm dare they? I got a little... I got a liberal cousin. He'll say uh, he says like that guy is a self-satisfied snake oil salesman who probably pleasures himself to audio. All right, now you don't need to get into grotesque comments, okay? Oh, that's obviously right. your brother. Is you say it's your brother? It's my cousin. Your cousin is obviously low IQ uh, Neanderthal. A throwback. I agree. I All right, agree. go right ahead. He says your whole legacy can. All right, you don't need to quote the idiot to the nation. We don't quote idiots to the nation. Just tell him he's Uh-oh. a putz. He says you're li- you li- All right, he goodbye. Says- this guy's a joke. He says, he says, you're the- he says, he's- it's not he, it's you, you jerk. But you're just too much of a coward to say it, Daryl. And your other brother, Daryl. Don't you think, Mr. Producer? Hey, 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 I have a cousin, and he says, yeah, it's a setup. But still, it can be fun. Barry! In L.A., the great KRLA, 8.70 a.m., The Answer, where we're live and national. Barry, go right ahead. Mark, I just I disagree with your opening monologue. and It's I not a monologue. It was a comment. I'm sorry, comment. And a lot of other conservatives have been saying the same thing, how she shouldn't have been banned from the Olympics. The- I don't know what the others say. I've just been thinking about it myself. I understand, I understand, and the reason I called you is because I've been hearing it. And it Have you ever used marijuana? Uh, once or twice. Uh-huh. Again, this has... This has I'm just has, curious. I've never smoked it. I've never eaten it. I've never rubbed it on my body. I don't know anything about it. What does it do to you? Well, as a side question, that's my question. It, it, it affects people differently. I actually never got a real good high off of it, to be quite honest. I only do, tried it a few times. Do you get hyped up, or do you get kind of pulled back and get kind of somber and so forth? Pulled back and somber. So why the hell would you smoke it or eat it before you have a race? Well, that's not the... the I'm just curious. Why would many, you do that? I, uh, she, again, she, she said why she did it. Mm-hmm. There's other drugs on that list that aren't performance enhancing. Mm-hmm. She knew that drug was on the list. She broke the rule. Yeah, I, I, listen, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just think it's a little harsh. Listen, let me tell you something. Do you know you can get arrested for jaywalking? Do you jaywalk? I've, I, I jaywalk all the time. Do you jaywalk? I received, I received a $120 ticket for jaywalking once. I was very upset. Very upset? Why? You broke Downtown the rules. Los Angeles. You're right. Again. And so I why were you upset? Uh, because, it, it, again, 
Listen, I'm not trying to uh, to uh, square the circle here. I already said she violated the rules. Does anybody say she didn't violate the rules? Where you and I disagree is this. Even though that drug is on the list, it certainly wasn't performance enhancing. I would argue it's the opposite. But she took it. Now, this to me is like the death penalty. You spend... You're 21, you spend your high school years, your college years preparing for the Olympics. You do something stupid. You don't do something that's so outrageously stupid where the whole country says, wait, that's outrageously stupid. She either ate or smoked or whatever you do with marijuana, apparently before the race. It certainly didn't improve her running skills, but that aside, as you point out, she broke the rules. So you think she should be eliminated from the Olympics? She broke. It's, it's happened before to others. Again, well, I, I'm only aware of this case. It's not like I'm an expert on this. I'm just giving my opinion. People wanted my opinion. I'm giving my opinion. It just seems like it's overboard to me. I, you know, as I pointed out, you know, you're going to think this is a bit drastic, but basically, then look. You're let's saying, put it this way: the timing is bad too. It's a one-month suspension, right? I, yeah. I, and the one-month suspension overlaps with the Olympics. So if it had been a one-month suspension a month ago, again, you're, you're going to say, but the rules, are, I understand, but let, I'm, I'm just giving you my opinion, why I feel the way I do. It's a one-month suspension that happens, happens to overlay with the, with the Olympics in Tokyo. Now, she knew this, March. Yes, she did, but it just seems a little harsh to me. I, again, she, you have other, it's, it's happened to others. She knew the consequences. Well, who else has it happened to? I'm sure I can Google it, but who else? I'm. It's. It's. I've heard about it many times. Where are they like? Are they like shoo-ins to win gold medals? I don't think so. Medal. Well, what, yeah. Well, what difference does that make? Well, but you keep mentioning them. It could be some schlub. I don't know who it is. There's a lot of athletes. Look, just because you're winning these preliminaries, or you're running in these preliminaries, I should say, doesn't mean you're going to wind up in the Olympics. So who are you talking about? Well, while I I understand that track is an individual sport, at the same time, it's a team sport. She 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 broke the rules that all of her other teammates have to abide by. Listen, listen, your arguments are correct. I don't disagree. And by the way, uh, when you're sprinting uh, in a short day, that's not a team sport. Just so you know, this isn't the four hundred meter. But that's beside the point, too. I'm just saying I think the punishment is way beyond is way beyond the offense. And yes, the rules are the rules are the rules, but maybe we can learn something from this. The rules are just too crazy. And this one-month suspension happens to overlap with the Olympics. She knew it. Okay, fine. Put her in the chair. What do you want from me? I'll be right back. Levin, America's tyranny hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Let's circle back. May I? I think I may. Randy Weingarten. Poison. Poison to education, poison to your children. Thug. May I say that? Thug. Here she is at a press conference yesterday. You see, the NEA and the AFT are showing muscle. They both fight over the same membership. 
The AFT membership is mostly inner city, not exclusively NEA, tends to be everywhere else. The, uh, the AFT has about 800 to 900,000 members. The NEA has 3 million members. And by the way, this is why they want a national holiday on Election Day. So teachers can man the polls, 3 million teachers. And this is why your idiots on the local school board, in their contracts, they call it a teacher learning day. Or something to that effect, depending on your community. So teachers are off Monday and Tuesday. Isn't that what happens in New York too, Mr. Producer? So they can work the polls. That's why. Oh, it's in-service day, I think is what they call it. Whatever they call it. Whatever made-up name. So they can work the polls. It's all figured out. And you're paying for every damn piece of it. Now, you want to hear obnoxious? In Webster's Dictionary, next to the word obnoxious is a photo of Randy Weingarten. Hey, Randy. How you doing, uh, Randy? Just another yenta. Cut three. Go. Critical race theory is not taught in elementary schools or middle schools or high schools. You're a liar. You're a liar. Now you can sue me. You can come on the program or let it sit. I want you to reach out to Randy Weingarten again, Mr. Producer. Tell her I want to debate her on whether or not critical race theory is taught in schools. And by the way, notice the phrase, critical race theory. It's not critical race history. It's not critical race facts. It's not critical race evidence. It's not critical race knowledge. It's critical race theory. Theory. Oh, my. What other words of wisdom have popped over her lips? Cut, three, go. It's of examination taught in law school and in college that helps analyze whether systemic racism exists. No, it doesn't analyze whether systemic racism exists. Oh, my Lord. It asserts that it exists, that it has always existed in a white dominant culture. But look how she, somebody wrote this for her. Somebody wrote this. So now they're in your face with critical race theory. They're paying God knows how much money for these frauds to come in and train it. God knows how much money for Kendi and Delgado and the rest and their clownish books. Oh, it, it doesn't really exist in the public schools. No, no, of course not. Well, wait a minute. I saw it during the pandemic. No, no, you're a liar. You're a parent. We have to destroy you. Oh, yeah, no, no, uh, yes, no, no. Now, the NEA is out there putting out its list and even uses the phrase critical race theory that it's urging every one of its teachers to teach it. But the competing union says, we're not, no, that's not being done. Of course not. Liars! But then again, they always have. But go ahead. And in particular, whether it has an effect on law and public policy. Yeah, it, it, here's what she, she's so dimwitted. It started in law schools, but it actually started before that. It was called critical theory. You'll learn all this in American Marxism. We're not going to do three minutes like we're on radio or TV just doing a quick hit. You'll be able to take your time, study it, digest it, gather more information if you wish. This is a good source to start from. It is a theory that was developed by Herbert Marcuse. Herbert Marcuse was a communist He was part of the Franklin School in Berlin of communists, professors, and ideologues, and intellectuals, and so forth. They couldn't understand, as I explained briefly, and I'll do it briefly now, I'll do it more extensively when the book comes out. 
They couldn't understand when there was a battle between fascism and what would become the Third Reich and the Reds and communism that Hitler won out and the communists failed. And it's bothered the man and the boys at the Franklin School for a long time. He escapes Berlin. He eventually comes to the United States. He is a professor in at least three of our high institutions. This is Marcuse. And he writes these really dumb books. And I'm going to talk about some of this on Sunday on my Fox show. And I'm going to show you some of these books. And they're cited in my book, American Marxism, because I want you to know what's going on and who these people are. And he writes what used to be considered really fringe, crazy stuff. Comes up with critical theory, which is what Weingart knows nothing about but is trying to touch on. Starting in the law schools, then moving to the colleges. Critical theory, the legal theory, that all of our laws, all of our laws are unjust. Because we have an unjust country, founded unjustly, on the backs of indigenous peoples, on the backs of slaves and so forth and so on. So the law itself, the law itself is to be Denounced. Denounced. The whole legal structure in the country is to be denounced because it is enshrined and set in place to discriminate against people. Now from that grew the new left movement that Marcuse was also involved in. And one of the books he wrote was very appealing to the new left. To many of the people who became buddies with Barack Milhouse Benito Obama to the Weather Underground, for the Students for Democratic Action. All of them. Marcuse was a hero, communist, and a hero. And he preached violence. But he basically gave up on the masses, the proletariat, because he said and he wrote, look, I saw it in Germany, I see it in America, the masses are not going to rise up and overthrow the government. So we need to create a group of revolutionaries and elites who will overthrow the government by insinuating themselves into all these key fields, into these key areas. He is considered the father of the New Left movement. That was the anti-war movement, that was the riots in the late, well, in the 60s and in the 70s. And then, he reached further. He saw during the 60s, racial strife. He said, hey, I have an idea. Racial strife. That's one of the ways we can attack this. So he takes this issue of race and racism. And he builds it into this Marxist model. What I call American Marxism, one of these models. And he wraps it in some scholarship. These ideas are very broad, but they're fundamental. And they're picked up by a few individuals. One gentleman in particular, Derek Bell. He's a law professor. Winds up at Harvard. Thomas Sowell has written about Derek Bell, that he was subpar intellectual 
a poor writer and a poor thinker, among other things. He was considered fringe, even by Harvard standards. So he develops further this idea of race and Marxism. And they called it critical race theory, rather than just critical theory, critical race theory. Are you making sense, Mr. Bedus? Are we able to follow all this? It's in the book, in a more developed way, but I'm on radio and i got to do what i got to do. So, this was picked up by a number of law professors at Harvard, at Stanford, and other places. Still considered kook friend stuff. And his view was, not just the law, not just the law, is unjust and can never be just, given who wrote it and who implemented it. But society, the entire culture, is to be damned because of systemic white racism. And the white dominant society not only made the laws, but made the whole damn country and the society and the culture. Everything needs to be seen through the lens of white supremacy, white domination, white privilege. Everything needs to be seen through the lens of race. Because that, he says, is the reality. And he dismisses any criticism whatsoever. Because if you criticize him or his students, or his colleagues, or his writings, which are a mess, but if you criticize them, it just demonstrates that you're a white racist. And if you aren't white, as I've said before, it just demonstrates that you've been conquered psychologically by white racists. You're part of the problem, so we don't need to listen to you. We're not interested in an exchange. We're not interested in a debate. We're not interested in what you have to say. We're not interested in your ideas because you are a racist or you are a creation of a racist society. That is what your kids are being taught. And more. They're teaching your eight-year-olds that they're part of the, the racist oppressors. I explained this in the beginning of the book, Oppressor Oppressed. This book is now in the hands of virtually every host, except a few, in uh, Fox, many, many radio talk show hosts. It's been in their hands for a little bit. Columnists, think tanks, and so forth. And I say in the book, as I've said on the air here over the last three months, they create the scenario of the oppressed and the oppressor, because that's what Marx did. And I use the plain English because we can talk about proletariat and bourgeoisie, and I do that too, but that's the bottom line. It's oppressed and oppressor. If you're an eight-year-old white kid, you're part of the oppressor class. And if you're not a white kid, you're part of the oppressed class. Now, this is your mindset. This is how you need to think for the rest of your lives. If you're to have careers, this is the way you're supposed to look at your careers. This is the way you must look at the American society. Well, where's the statistics to prove this? Well, the interesting thing about critical race theory is they don't use statistics. They use storytelling. Storytelling. 
examples. You know, I was stopped by this white cop at least three times, and you know what? I wasn't... That's good enough. It's systemic. You can't help it. You can't help it. There's nothing you can do. So you either join the revolution, you either join the Marxist revolution, you either overthrow these classrooms, these school systems, our economic system, widen, open the border, destroy our immigration system, and fix this by fundamentally transforming it, or you're part of the oppressor, oppressor groups, and you're the enemy. Now, I just told you in five or six or eight minutes, whatever it was, the core principles and roots of this ideology. I mean, there's a lot more to say, and we will get to it. But I'm responding to Randy Weingart. We're not teaching that. All we're teaching is real history about slavery and such. No, you're not. You're a liar. And you're welcome to come on this program now, this week, next week. And have a discussion with me about this, Randy Weingarten. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. By the way, our guest, we have a guest this coming hour after the break, Jesse Waters. And just so you know, he is a great guy. Um, My wife, Julie, and I met him and his wife a little over a year ago. Just a very nice, funny, decent guy. Uh, We really enjoyed meeting them, getting to know them a little bit. And he will be on the program in about 25 minutes, Mr. Producer, something like that. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You can see throughout the society, ladies and gentlemen... The dumbing down of merit. The teachers' unions don't like merit-based pay or merit-based analyses of, of how their members perform because they say they can be abused. And so in many, many cities, many school boards, they get rid of merit. Merit. The Biden administration wants to get rid of merit too. This from the Daily Wire, Chrissy Clark. Biden administration expands tuition breaks for future teachers. Removes GPA requirement to provide access to students of color. Now, is that not racist in and of itself in two respects? Treating people of color like they're stupid, that they can't compete to become teachers? 
and also discriminating against white people who are presumed to be smarter? And yet this is all dressed up as progress. The Biden administration announced a plan to expand tuition breaks for future teachers and remove grade point average requirements for grant recipients in hopes of providing access to students of color. Now, you know damn well they worked with these teacher union thugs to get this, to push this. The Department of Education oversees the Teacher Education Assistance for College and Higher Education Grant Program, or TEACH, which provides tuition breaks for students obtaining degrees in education who commit to teaching in high-need fields and underserved schools for four years after graduation. The Biden administration, with the support of Education Secretary Miguel Cardona, this guy's a real louse, announced that the annual grant amount for third and fourth year students will double to $8,000 per recipient. The spending is just unbelievable. Now they're just going to double it to $8,000 per recipient. Biden's plans will also remove the existing grade point average requirements for recipients in the hopes of increasing access for students of color. Quote, the proposed plan also aims to increase the access that students from low-income backgrounds and students of color have to comprehensive teacher preparation, a press release from the Education Department reads. This is just amazing to me. Just amazing to me. They prevent prevent quality education, particularly in poor neighborhoods, particularly minority neighborhoods. They protect, uh, excuse me, prevent education choice like school choice, which would benefit hugely these communities. Then they say, uh, we're going to get rid of GPA requirements because of what these schools are doing. They're not teaching. Oh, then we have to have critical race theory, transgenderism, anti-capitalism. we got a whole agenda we have to teach. Well, wait a minute. You're not teaching the basics. You're doing a very poor job, despite all the money we're pouring into every community. And so in order to fix it, you see, we'll get rid of merit. GPA won't matter. And this is happening, ladies and gentlemen, throughout the system. It's happening more and more. For graduate students, it's happening more and more in Ivy League schools. It's happening more and more if you want to become a doctor or another professional. So the cream is not rising to the top. Nothing gets to rise to the top. And I guess we should expect this from Biden since he has always been a low IQ, a low IQ buffoon who has to cheat his way into this or that. The plan includes an additional $2.8 billion investment in programs such as year-long paid teacher residency programs, which the Biden administration's claimed will help enroll more teacher candidates. They are just throwing tens of billions of dollars at these unions as a reward for what they do in terms of election day, financial contributions, in-kind support what they do at the polls, and we know this, at Landmark Legal Foundation, we were involved in a lot of battles with the NEA, filed a lot of complaints with the IRS against them. So we have a lot of dirt under our nails dealing with these, these clowns. And uh, this, this is, these are not education associations, ladies and gentlemen. They are radical left Democrat Party appendages. That's what you're up against in these school districts. So billions and billions more, and keep in mind, couple hundred billion dollars was already thrown at these school systems that they didn't even need. 
to pay the teachers. The Biden administration claims that the requirement changes are expected to increase the number of recipients by more than 50% to nearly 40,000 in 2022. Alongside tuition breaks, the administration's plan will put $400 million towards teacher preparation at historically black colleges and universities and tribal colleges and universities. The administration plan will continue to subsidize these schools despite their graduates' poor loan repayment rate. Doesn't matter. So they want free college. They want to massively subsidize the unions. Because here's the thing. When it comes to education, quote-unquote, or brainwashing and indoctrination, there's almost no controls. Every other part of our society, the Democrats want regulation after regulation, tax after tax, audit after audit, prosecution after prosecution. But they exempt our colleges and universities because these are the indoctrination mills for the Democrat Party and and American Marxism. These are the indoctrination mills. This is why you have no say in what goes on in education in this country. I want you to think about this. You have no say in what goes on in our colleges or universities. You have no say on what goes on in the elementary school three blocks from your house. You have no say on the teacher contracts. You have no say what's taught in the classroom. You don't even know, in many cases, what's being taught in the classroom. You don't know who these teachers are. Many of them are utter and complete strangers. You know nothing about their backgrounds. You know nothing about the principal. You don't know how he got his job. But you pay and pay and pay and pay. And your children, the most precious, well, the most precious thing in your life, your children, they have to go into these classrooms unless you can find alternatives. It is shocking in the United States of America when you think about how little we have any input or say or even, or even sight into what's taking place. And this is what needs to be fought. Win, lose, or draw. This battle needs to take place. Let's see. Zakia Smith-Ellis, a higher education advisor to former President Barack Melhouse Benito Obama, said it, the most shocking data of my career. What was the most shocking data of her career? Well, per the Wall Street Journal, Federal data found that black students who attend these, these black universities were more likely to default on student loans than black students who attend other public or nonprofit colleges. Wow. Why is that? Under the Biden administration, there's no requirement for recipients to certify their intent to teach within 120 days of graduation. And those grants will not be converted into loans. So you go through it, you get the grant, you just, you know what? I'd rather be a plumber. All right. Money shot. Gone. The new plan will also open a reconsideration process for any former TEACH grant recipients whose grants were converted to loans. So they're going to go back. Because grants could be converted to loans depending on what you wind up doing with your career. Biden's saying, we'll wipe that out. No, you don't have to have loans. Basically, the teachers' union, and it's not just that. It's every single piece and part of the Democrat Party base has come to this administration, given it its points that it wants, and this administration does it. This administration does it. I'll be right back. 
You know, I'm a big fan of Jesse Waters. Don't know him well. We met a little over a year ago. My wife, his wife, he and I, and we hit it off. He's hilarious. He's a good guy. He's very nice. He's a big guy, by the way. And uh, Jesse Waters, how are you, my friend? I'm great, Mark, and I wanted to put that meeting in my book, but I wasn't allowed to. So maybe (laughs) I'll have to save that for the next time. Just as well. Anyway, um... This is a fantastic book. I'll tell you why, and then you can tell us about it. It's a real mix of humor, uh, self-deprecation, and yet patriotism and substance and so forth. I mean, it's not easy to write a book like that. So how did you come to do this? Well, I got to a place in my life and career where I had the time to do it. And I'd gone through a divorce and I'd moved a few times and I finally figured out how to balance Waters World and the Five. And I just wanted to reflect on all these great stories I had just waiting to be unloaded. I had liberal parents who I guess wanted me to build character, so they sent me to these survival camps in the summer. You know, here's a book of matches and a knife. I'll see you in a month. And then, you know, so that got me thinking about global warming. And, and then I got out of college and thought I wanted to make money. And it turns out you have, a, have to have a basic grasp of arithmetic to handle millions of dollars of other people's money. So got fired from a few gigs and wound up at uh, the basement of Fox News. And I uh, heard there was a shot on the factor. I got a job there, and Bill unleashed me on the country and used to send me all over the place. And I've just observed liberals in their natural habitats. You know, I've seen them in the wild and San Francisco and the nude beaches of Martha's Vineyard, and I know them now. I've studied the species, and I understand their insecurities and how they project those insecurities onto the country in order to control other people and soothe their own anxieties and stay relevant. And that's kind of where we are today with that. So I tried to tell that story in a funny way. And, you know, people hate me. They're going to like the book because they say I have the most punchable face in TV. And if you love me, you're going to like the book because you know what I do. And I think I just want to make people laugh. And, and I hopefully the book accomplished that. But I'm a little worried, Mark, and here's why. Yeah. Apparently, my editor had me release my book a week before you released your book. You should attack your publisher like hell. No offense. <laughs> I mean, you're killing me. I have one week to make the number one slot. Well, we're on gonna, listen to me. We're going to work on that tonight. I want people to support <laughs> the, the. But the truth is, it's a great book. Thank and you. it's the kind of book you do want to take to the beach and so forth, and you'll, you'll see people laughing out loud, and yet there's a seriousness to it. Now, let me just say this. America has watched you. America's watched you as you worked for Bill O'Reilly. You know, Bill O'Reilly and I used to despise each other. <laughs> I remember. But now we're friendly. I mean, he's not my social buddy, but I have no problem with him. He has no problem. It's an amazing thing. It's amazing. But, but look, you used to do this, which was hilarious, which was really eye-opening. Then you, you, you kind of get your own persona, and now you're on the five. You're, you're in the middle of something really big that's a very, very important program. And America has, like, grown up with you. And so this book, this book is really, really cool. And, uh, by the way, do you ever talk to Bill anymore or no? Just curious. Yes, yes. Uh, I told him I was going to knock him off the top slot. 
and then he tried to book me on his No Spin News show. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to get cleared for that. We've got to jump through a few hoops so hopefully oh, yeah. I can go back and complete the circle. I'd love to talk to him about it. But you're right. You know, I started off on the factor as a little producer, and, and then Bill just started to send me down to confront judges who were giving soft sentences to these sex offenders. And I used to jump out of people in their driveway and stick a mic in their face, and we actually changed a lot of laws. We now have 45 out of the 50 states passed Jessica's law, which is mandatory minimum, 25 years to life, first-time rape of a child, because you can't rehabilitate these people as much as these... You know, prosecutors want to give these guys probation and these judges want to spring them to rehab, restorative justice. You can't let that happen. And and then he started saying, Waters, I'm going to send you out into the streets because you're bothering everybody here in the office. We want you to bother people outside. So go outside and find out how much young people know about the country. And Mark, it turns out they know very little. Mm -hmm. So we used to go out and we used to ask basic questions. You know, who won the Civil War? Mm -hmm. France. Stuff like that, which was funny, but also sickening, because if you have an oblivious population, you just get hoodwinked by these politicians and these corporate titans who just take advantage of a population that's not paying attention. And that's kind of what it was in 2016. You got open borders, endless wars, big debt, and Trump comes along and just changes everything. And when he won, they threw me onto the five, and I left the field and went into the studio, and now I have to put up with Gutfeld. By the way, I didn't get along with him for the longest time. Now I think he's uh, very, very solid. It's just the way it goes. The book is right. How I Save the World. It is a great book. It is, it is a fun book, yet it is a substantive book. You can get it on Amazon.com. Unfortunately, for you, I'm not on Twitter or Facebook anymore, but I am on Parler. We have over 5 million followers there, and of course we, we have this platform. But you can go on to Amazon.com. It's number two. You can make it number one, folks, and I think you should, and I think you're going to really enjoy the book. All right, I have another question. Yes. Your parents are liberals. Now, I get callers all the time that say, look, I'm, I'm a conservative. My family's filled with liberals. How do you deal with this? Well, Thanksgivings were rough during the Obama and Trump years. Um, So, you know, after a few drinks, you get a little rowdy and you start making accusations and that never ends well. But, you know, my parents were... They, te- they got tear-gassed protesting NAM in the 60s and voted for Mondale and Dukakis and all these great winners. And, and then I kind of became a, a rush baby in college. I just listened to one show, and that was it. And it's amazing. I used to turn rush on in car rides to Maine in the summer. It was like a six-hour trip from Philly where I grew up. And By the way, where I grew mom, up, too. Yeah, I mean, that's right. We... Uh, city of brotherly love so to speak and uh so it used to drive my mom crazy like literally she would get road rage during his monologues on welfare reform and rear-end cars so but i knew that was i i knew he was right because it was driving my parents crazy so there was part of some rebelliousness to that and but they raised me properly and and i just think just now they're they don't care that i work for fox they're just happy i have health insurance <laughs> yeah well now, let me ask you this. Do you get back to Philadelphia much? I go about once or twice a year to see some friends catch a Sixers or an Eagles fan, a game. Are we talking about Northeast Philly or suburban Philly or where? So in I grew up in, in, like, East Falls, Germantown area. I went to Penn oh, yeah. Charter. So Philly proper. 
and uh, you know, not Center City, but Philly proper. And I, I get there, you know, here and then, and I love it. Eat a little cheesesteak, have a drink. You know, Philly's tough, man. It's a rough town, but it's a beautiful place. All right, let me ask you this: between during the breaks, we may run out of time here. I don't know. You, do you have a busy schedule? You probably do, right? I mean, I can stick around to talk about the book. I got Hannity later, but uh, uh, he can wait. The end of the he show. can wait. <laughs> uh, after the break, I'd like to have you for another segment, if you don't mind. The during the breaks, is there a lot of back and forth? Sometimes a little hostile. You know, it used to be Juan, and there's Geraldo, and so forth. How does that go? So in my book, we actually describe direct quotes from Gutfeld that he utters in the commercial break, and they're uproarious. He's All right, let's take, let's take this break, okay. and we'll, we're going to talk about this aspect of the book, because I know people want to know about this. I want to know about it anyway. The book is How I Saved the World by Jesse Waters. It's a great book. You're going to enjoy it a great deal. Amazon.com, any retail store, any online store, I strongly commend it. We'll be right back. America's passionately cerebral voice. Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. The book, How I Saved the World, by Jesse Waters. You know Jesse. Uh, you can get it at Amazon.com. Any online uh, uh, bookstore now. It's available now. Any retail store. I strongly suggest you get it. It's a beautiful fusion of you know, you're, are you mostly a happy person? Because that comes across in the book. Yeah. I am. I'm a very optimistic person, happy person. I always have a smile on my face. How can you not? I mean, I get paid. I, I'm probably overpaid. I sit in my keister and I talk for a living. How lucky is that? I mean, i got, I got to keep this thing going. You know, maybe so. But you, when you speak and when I can catch it, your monologues are right on. I mean... You're very solid. You have, a, you have a great thought process. Now, during the breaks, and as you point out in the book, it can get hot during the breaks. It can be funny during the breaks. Uh, what happens during the breaks? So Gutfeld's unfiltered, and he doesn't have any – he'll just talk about what he wants for dinner. He'll talk about how his body feels. He'll talk about anything. So I started writing down just ridiculous things he would say in the commercial breaks, so I remembered them. I'll just read you some. Some of these are in my book. These are direct quotes from Greg Gutfeld in the commercial break. If you're going to kill your spouse, take them hiking. Okay? How about this one? Charity sucks. It's the best thing you'll ever do, and they get all the money. Or this one. This one. The cheapest form of phone sex is to call Victoria's Secret and ask them to go through the catalog with you. Oh, <laughs> now, I, I actually, I, re, I repeated that at a speech in Alabama at a Bible Belt. Stone cold silence, Mark. Oh, yeah. Did not go over well. Got to know your audience, brother. Well. Yeah. You got to know your audience. That was a little too blue for Alabama. But Geraldo's there, too, now, every other week. And, you know, he's crazy. He's, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, I just bought a, what is that called? Just bought a Bentley Cash. You know, I, I'm driving. I'm driving it to. Uh, I'm driving it to Cleveland, taking it to Cleveland, having some wine. I was with Brody at dinner last night. You know, he's just he's nuts, and uh, but he's funny and he's mm -hmm. a good sport and he's he's done a nice job filling in for Juan after mm -hmm. Juan retired to the swamp. He's driving a Bentley. 
I mean, how do you have any yeah. money left, you know, uh, going through what? Is this is three or four or five divorce. I don't know, and I'm not putting them down. I'm I just saying. six or seven. How do you have any money six left? Six or seven. Yeah. Well, I think he did pretty well in the 80s and 90s when he had that syndicated show. Yeah, but, you so, know, divide it up, divide it up, divide it up, divide it up, and at some point, you know. <laughs> Listen, I, you know what? Maybe there was money in the vault after all. I have no <laughs> idea. Now, uh, maybe this isn't fair. Uh, is there anybody on the five who you would not count among your best friends? Is that not fair? Well, my, no, listen, I'm, uh, my parents won't let me play with Greg. You know, did mm-hmm. you ever have that growing up, like your parents get together with another parent? You're not allowed to play together. I actually, think, I, I actually thought that was said about me, actually. <laughs> you, but, you, uh, were, you were the one that other parents wouldn't let their Honestly, I was kind with. of a tough kid. You know, not so much now. I'm you, too where damn old. Were you, where in Philly were you from? I'm from uh, Cheltenham. Okay, okay, that's that's a right on the border with Northeast Philly, and right on the border with Mount Airy. Well, Northeast be- Mount Airy is beautiful, and yeah. and you know, Northeast Philly. That's a that's a the blue collar. Yep. Great town, a lot of cops, a lot of yep. a lot of good good soldiers there. Great athletes, great great Catholic town, and yep. a lot of basketball and football over there. A lot of baseball players, a lot of talent came out of the north. Reggie so Jackson sure came out of my township. Reggie Jackson. No kidding. Yeah. Well, there you go. You and Reggie Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have so much in common. But the you and Gutfeld, I bet you're pretty good friends, aren't you? I mean, you guys have a good time. I love him, and mm-hmm. I think he's probably one of my closest, if not my closest friends. I wouldn't mm-hmm. call him a friend. I guess he's a colleague, but he is a friend because I spend so much damn time with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to spend more time with him. He doesn't invite me to his new house. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's a new house. My wa- yeah, oh, he's got so much money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, you, you, know, when you're, you don't have any kids and you're not divorced and you've written mm-hmm. six bestsellers, you've been on TV as long as he has. He, ha- he has plenty of money. But uh, have not been invited officially. Um, I've actually, he told me I was banned from his apartment in Soho. Uh, I don't know what I did to deserve the ban, but I'm banned. And, um, but that's fine. I'm okay with that, Mark. Um, have you ever been on I his show? Um, I went on Gutfeld exclamation point once. Yes. And it was a fantastic energy. I was never on his other show, his weekend show. I was always too nervous to do Red Eye. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm doing his exclamation point show, which is at 11 o'clock Eastern tomorrow night. So watch that. It's a great show. And he's it's very great funny. Ratings, too. Yeah. He's and, hilarious. And, and he's shaking up that time slot, which is very, very important because these leftists who, who are not really comedians, <laughs> I, who can watch that stuff anymore? It's a hot time slot because it's a late night slot. And he's up against your typical late night host, even beating them sometimes in the demographic, and they're on broadcast television. So it's a real big feat, and everyone's real proud of him. I'm shocked at his success, though, honestly. I never thought he'd do this well. Yeah, uh, you and uh, many other people. But I've always thought he's funny, and uh, I I actually think he's evolved politically. The book is How I Save the World. It's a very, very good book. You want to know what's going on behind the scenes on The Five? Jesse's life, but he also gets into some heavy substantive issues. How I Save the World. You can go to Amazon.com. We have it up on at Mark Levin Show Parlor. You can go to a Walmart site. You can go to any of them. And if you're in a retail store these days, you can go into the store and purchase it too. It's everywhere. It's an excellent, excellent book. Jesse, I want to thank you for coming on, and I wish you the best. Hey, America, 
He's number two behind some creepy novel on Amazon. <laughs> can't we, Mark, can't we drag him along across the finish line here? It's ridiculous. Mark, this is a Reese Witherspoon book club recommendation. Oh, my it's God. A novel. Listen, I don't have a beef with Reese. She seems like a fine lady. But if you hate Hollywood and what they stand for, buy How I Save the World and make me number one on Amazon. And I think after I do your show, I'm easily going to number one because you are a great host, especially wow, when it comes to kind. book sales. I just want to tell everybody, my Uh-oh. publisher said two shows sell books, Uh-oh. Fox and Friends and Mark Levin. Uh-oh. Well, listen, then you don't need to go on Hannity tonight. All right, no, and we'll watch you there, Hannity, too. I already did it. All right. nah, I love Hannity. He and I are like brothers. That's the truth. I know. He's all right, my brother, and you're terrific, and we wish you all the best with this book, and I know my audience is going to be very, very interested in it, How I Save the World. Take care of yourself. Love you, Mark. Love your audience. Take care. All right? Love Bye-bye. you, too. God bless. He is a great guy, and this book is really a good book. I am not talking about anybody else's book while I'm talking about my book. But when he asked to come on, I said, absolutely yes. Did I not, Mr. Producer? Because I like him. He writes well. He's a good guy. All right, Mr. Producer, I am looking desperately. Uh, Hold on, folks. What we're going to do, can we take an early break here? We're going to take an early break. I'll be right back. in. I want to thank all of you who listen to this radio show. Whether you listen on AM or FM, that's terrestrial radio. Whether you listen on satellite radio. Whether you listen on the Mark Levin app or the iHeart radio app. Whether you listen to streaming. Whether you listen to my podcast. There are millions and millions of you out there, and I want to thank each and every one of you. I do want to remind you, where you can find our podcast, and I want to encourage you to go ahead and download it, even if you never use it. There may be that one time when we're preempted or we're moving to another station or what have you. And it's very simple. It's three simple steps. First of all, you go to our Mothership website, marklevinshow.com, and I want to encourage you to go there every day. We've got all kinds of cool stuff there. marklevinshow.com. That'll take you to the homepage. Now, at the middle top of the homepage... You click on Audio Rewind. You click on Audio Rewind. That'll take you to the podcast page. And then you pick the podcast platform that you want. A lot of people like Apple. You can pick Stitcher. There's others. And you're set. Now, if that's still too much, you can always have a friend or a relative, a kid or something in your family set it up for you. But you want to have the Mark Levin podcast app because... If we're preempted or something else happens, you'll at least get to hear the show. And honestly, my wife can hear the show live most of the time, but when she can't, she listens to the podcast. She's a runner, so she'll run, she'll listen to the podcast and so forth. So you at least have that option. So I want to encourage you to download. It's absolutely free. We're not going to charge you anything for that, but you should check it out. I think you'll like it. Now, the podcasters... They know to keep promoting their podcast. For some reason, Mr. Producer, I do it like once or twice a month. I ought to do it more often. Because it really is a wonderful tool, a wonderful resource for you, uh, depending on your work hours or your family hours or whatever else you're doing. Then finally, ladies and gentlemen, 
six short days away. Actually, less than six. Five and a half short days away. We've been talking about this for several months. Sixteen months ago, I began on this journey writing a book, the title of which I could not be sure of. And then it came to me. As I was doing the research, as I was writing it, this is an, an American form of Marxism we're dealing with here. Don't candy coat it. Use the phrase, call these people out, explain to your fellow citizens where they're getting these ideologies from. Do not allow MSNBC and CNN, do not allow the New York Times and Washington Post and the rest, do not allow them to intimidate, to cover up, to censor, to propagandize. Let's cut through it. Or we're going to lose our country. This is my best effort. American Marxism. It's the most important book I've ever written, given the grave times that we face. You've heard a lot of talk about critical race theory. It's very important. But it's not the only means by which the American Marxist is attacking our society. They're attacking it financially. They're attacking it on immigration on the border. They're attacking it in so many different ways. What used to be considered custom and tradition an institution, they're all under attack. I bet your church is under attack. The teachings in your synagogue, particularly if you're a Reformed Jew, are under brutal attack. That is your belief system. We see it happening all around us. I just try to make some sense of the, of the rebellion that's taking place. Try to explain where all of this is coming from. And then at the very end, I talk about there's got to be things we can do about it, and I list several. And you will contribute many more. Like the body camera for teachers, which simply gave me the idea to have a classroom camera last month. But that was you. That was the American thinker. We want participants from all walks of life to give us their ideas. And here's the thing. We need to rally We need to rally. I don't mean go to a rally. We need to rally to the cause. We've had people die for this cause. We have people overseas in uniform putting their lives on the line for this cause. It's the least we can do in our own neighborhoods, in our own communities. To save this country for ourselves, for our children, for for our grandchildren, and for future generations. It was done for us. This is a very diabolical, evil, nasty enemy we're facing. They control most of the media outlets. They control most of the educational outlets. They have succeeded over the course of decades to freeze us, we the people, out of the process. We have these massive corporate media platforms, which have thrown in with the enemy... And which are cheering it. Because they think they're going to get something out of it. But it doesn't matter. There are tens of millions of us. We can have more influence on our children and grandchildren than they do. We're the ones who pay the bills around here. We're the ones who go to work every day. Who try to live clean lives. Who pay our taxes. 
But on the other side, the American Marxists, they spend 24-7 trying to figure out how to destroy our country, our institutions, how to brainwash your children, and how to stop you from living the life that you live today. Whether you're black or white or red or brown, it doesn't matter. If you love freedom and you love this country, we must unite. Please get your copy of American Marxism, 40% off on Amazon, give or take, six days away from launch. Thank you all. God bless each and every one of you. We love you, and I will see you tomorrow.